Hello, everybody. It's Sunday, August 29th, and we're recording a podcast at 9.38 p.m. to talk about the matchup we have been waiting for all year. It is North Carolina coming to town to play the Virginia Tech Hokies. It's a top 10 matchup in Blacksburg, Virginia. As always, before we jump into this, this podcast is brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy. It is the one-stop shop for everything that you need um, for your home, whether that be a toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, you need your prescription filled, you need a smile, you want to go play Mrs. Pac-Man, or you need a flag to hang in your front yard with Sons of Saturday on it, check it out. Also, as of today, the expectation is that tomorrow, game day pins will be available at Main Street Pharmacy, as well as stickers uh, at Main Street Pharmacy. That is all available exclusively at the Main Street Pharmacy. Check them out on Main Street in Blacksburg. I'm Billy Ray Mitchell. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, sitting next to Pat Finn, who is a new homeowner in Charlotte, North Carolina as well. And then we are also joined by Grayson, who is in Virginia, and Mike, who is also in Virginia. But everybody is going to be in Blacksburg this weekend. Starting with you, Grayson, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, pretty much. I mean, I feel fully recovered from my surgery. I'm I'm ready to get down to Blacksburg, man. I'm itching to get down to Blacksburg. I leave Tuesday. I know you're going to be down there, Billy Ray. Pat, are you going to be there as well on Tuesday? Is that the plan? Uh, that's that's currently the plan. We're trying to get down. Rock, rock and roll, man. Well, that'd be awesome. Mike McDaniel joins us this evening. Mike, how we doing, buddy? Gents, I would say first time, long time, but I was on this podcast two weeks ago. So, what's going on? Well, welcome back. Welcome thank back. You, thank you. Welcome back. We have a hokey haiku, and Pat didn't write it. And we always get excited when we have hokey haikus that Pat didn't write. So, Pat, who submitted, and what do we have? Shout out to uh, shout out to Grady Baker, G Bake, coming in hot with the haiku. I will be cheersing Grady Baker on Friday uh, at the tailgate. Doesn't that feel great to say? Yeah. How great does that sound? That's crazy. It's crazy. See you at the table. We're big back. (laughs) We're so bad. Uh, Okay, here's the the haiku. Pat doing laundry. Grayson with the new airway. (laughs) Billy burning gas. So uh, Grady B getting the pulse on the suns. Knows what everyone's, you know, up to. He knows that my uh, my washer dryer, I've had a little little issue there. He knows Grayson just... (laughs) Just uh, is recovering from the the what is it called again? The step <laughs> Devi- deviated septum surgery. Septum what is no, it's what is septoplasty. Yeah, septoplasty. It's called okay. septoplasty. Yeah, yeah. And then and then Billy Ray, you know, lives in California now, and uh, he spends like sixteen dollars <laughs> per gallon uh, when he fills up. That so, is true. That is true. So uh, welcome back to the East Coast, my friend. That's you're true. here. To, you're here to. I should have brought uh, my truck to fill up. Is yeah, what I should have done. You're going to pay more reasonable uh, gas prices here. This is true. Thank you, Grady B. This is true. So as always, we have some segments that you will remember from last year, and we have some segments that are new. And one of the new segments are setting the table. So uh, Grayson, can you put on your Spielberg cap and set the table for us, please? Absolutely. First off, we're going to grab the forks, the knives, the uh, nice cloth napkins, and we're going to go get some placemats, go ahead and set this table real quick. First off, Virginia Tech and the North Carolina Tar Heels have met 42 times, dating all the way back to 1895. It's a long time, over uh, 120 years of playing the Tar Heels. The Hokies currently in the series with 24 wins over UNC's 12. 
Since the matchup's inception, it has ended in a tie six times. I mean, if it dates all the way back to 1895, rules were a little bit different back then, and uh, I guess ties were a lot more commonplace. I feel like you see that way back in kind of like the early 1900s games. Longest win streaks of the rivalry. Uh, VT consecutively swept the heels five years in a row, 2004 to 2008. Those were all red-letter years for Virginia Tech football. And between the years of 1929 and 1945, when the Americans and the Allied forces were defeating the Nazis, uh, UNC won five games in a row between those 15, 16 years. Uh, so it's been a long time that they've had uh, any kind of meaningful winning streak over the Hokies. <laughs> what the hell is that fact? Did you just, I, I mean, I, I mean, want to know what the record was during World War II? Was, Dude, I, 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 I mean, I, I'm just saying, like that's that's a. I'm their coach. <laughs> <laughs> Say again. Say again. Was Mac Brown the coach back then? Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, wow. <laughs> anyway, you know, I just thought that that was really, really interesting. Uh, so, you know, get your weight up, UNC. Anyway, what, what, what happened the last time the two teams met? Well, last September, the 13th ranked Tar Heels won the ball game 56 to 45 in Chapel Hill. We kind of came with a second win ditch effort. Uh, I thought we might actually do it there for a second. Uh, but coach Brown and Sam Howell prayed on the COVID stricken Virginia tech secondary. Our entire defense was out that day. They they all had the day off because of COVID. Uh, and Deami Brown and Daz Newsom tore it up. So, uh, Mike, tell us a little bit more about this rivalry. We're gonna get we're gonna segue into hokey history. Yeah, you mentioned that Virginia Tech is twenty four and twelve all time against North Carolina. Justin Fuente, in particular, four and one against UNC and one and one versus Mac Brown. Virginia Tech is 4-1 in season openers under Justin Fuente, including two marquee matchup wins, West Virginia at FedEx Field back in 2017, obviously a neutral site game, and then Florida State back in 2018 on the road, two of the bigger wins of the Justin Fuente era. In two matchups against Mac Brown in 2019 and 2020, Brad Cornelson offenses are averaging 44 points per game and 492 and a half yards of offense. So offense has not been a problem with these matchups, boys. Um, and then one other thing real quick I wanted to add, Virginia Tech defense gave up less yards in the 2020 matchup. We talked about the 56 points he gave up a year ago. Less yards in the 2020 matchup than in 2019. Gave up almost 500 yards of offense in 19. 656 yards um, in, in 2019. 491 in 2020. Ben, but don't break, was in full effect in that six overtime game. So... <clears throat> Defense has been an issue, obviously, we've talked about on this podcast before, that offense, we can talk about the situational issues with Cornelson, with some of the play calling, but offenses as a whole have not had too much trouble against this North Carolina defense. So, Mike was mentioning the six-overtime game. I want to jump back into the time machine here to about a year ago. Actually, it was October 10th, I believe, or whenever we played Carolina in Chapel Hill last year. And we did a podcast, and we previewed – the Carolina game, but we talked about the six overtime game and we did a, uh, <laughs> we talked about our favorite calls because <laughs> the officiating or not the officiating, the, the broadcast crew that, you know, Fox sports put together for that game was absolutely incredible. Um, so if you want to have some fun and, and listen to uh, some imitations of some of the best calls from that six overtime game, uh, listen to that podcast from last year, a lot has changed between now and then. Um, but 
Yeah, Justin Fuente, four and one. You know, you talk about the hurricane game in 2016 being the first game. Uh, 2017, we absolutely destroyed them uh, at home on homecoming. You had the Greg Stroman punt return touchdown. You had the Reggie Floyd interception return touchdown. You had the Ricky Walker uh, fumble return touchdown. And then uh, 2018, you had the heroic Ryan Willis to Dalton Keene uh, to cap the game off in 2019, um, you know, six overtimes. Sayonara, Larry Fedora. Sayonara, Larry Fedora. Yeah. Um, you know, that guy was kind of the worst. Let's let's, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> kind of? 2020 was so – that game Sucked. was just ridiculous. I the, hated it. The, the we 20, were there. We were there. It was it was, it was was stupid. Um, <laughs> it was. It was. Go Okay, go watch the condensed game. If you have some time this week, spend some time watching the, the six-overtime game because that's a lot of fun. You know, you pull it up on YouTube. But watch the condensed game from 2020 and just realize how ridiculous that game was just from a personnel perspective. And I yeah. know Grayson already pointed this out. Um, but just looking over this condensed game, we had no defensive backs, no one. This was, I want to say it was Ryan Smith and Justin Hamilton's first game actually getting to coach together, mm-hmm. but divine Diablo was out. You had Shamari Connor get ejected in the early in the first quarter with like eight minutes left in the first quarter. Um, Breon Murray was out. I think he was in either injured or, uh, COVID, Waller actually did play the Carolina game, but we all know that Waller was not a hundred percent, um, you know, at all last year. And, you know, Tyler Matheny was, was, uh, at one point, our guy at safety. So, so the 2020 game just was ridiculous. And I don't think it should be used as any type of data point in this rivalry um, but we have it, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it and analyze it. But um, you know, completely irrelevant compared to other games in the series. Agreed. It's funny. And- it's funny how things come full circle. I just want to say, and Billy Ray will appreciate this. Billy Ray and Pat were at that game, and I watched that game at Bubs at the Beach in San Diego, California, where Billy Ray currently lives. And uh, what a, what a time! Great alumni network down there. Just wanted to to point that out. Excited to excited to check that out uh, later on this season. As far as other notes that we have for the condensed game, Mike, what did you uh, what did you jump into? What games did you check out, and what did you walk away with? Yeah, Virginia Tech in in last year's game in particular. You know, Tech was down by twenty one or more points two different times and came storming back, and it was really just. The, the offense kind of went up and down. Cleo Herbert obviously had a really good first half. I wish they gave him the ball more in the second half. He had some carries early in the third quarter, and then it seemed like he just kind of disappeared. Now, some of that is game script related. When you're down 42 to 17 at one point, obviously you need to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, so that was working against him a little bit. But um, the, the big thing last year was just continuously digging yourself in a hole, right, if you're Virginia Tech. And that's something that cannot happen at home. I think North Carolina, while they're replacing a lot on offense, there's still plenty of firepower. And anytime you're going up against Sam Howell, trying to overcome a three touchdown deficit a couple different times is not the way to go. And um, obviously this year, Virginia Tech will have a lot more in the secondary to contend with uh, the skill position talent in North Carolina. But that was the one thing that stood out to me last year is just digging yourselves into a hole. Early on, we knew it was going to be a rough go just because of the way Carolina went up and down the field on the first few possessions. That really can't happen in Blacksburg on Friday. Yeah, I think some of the things to to notice, I mean, 
obviously end of the first quarter, you're staring 21 to nothing in the face. You battle back 14 to 28 with the ball to go for it on fourth down. You don't get it. And then UNC scores right before halftime, um, which uh, you get 35 to 14 going into the second half. And then you battle back and make it 37, 42 again to start the fourth quarter. Um, I walked away from watching that game with a couple of things. Carter and Williams were elite. Like you forget it, uh, how good those two backs were. They were so, so awesome and complimented each other. Great. And it's something that Sam Howell and that offense relies upon a lot. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Another thing that jumped off the screen was how much we bullied Cameron Kelly. Um, some of you may remember him from the recruiting uh, cycles. Um, but that guy was getting bullied all day long. Uh, I love the orange and white combination. And then I watched one other game, um, one other condensed game, which was the UVA-UNC game. And UVA has had North Carolina's number for the last couple of years. Uh, UVA did a fantastic job of anytime North Carolina saw those explosive chunk plays in hunkering down and making sure that led to a field goal or limiting the damage there. And that's the reason they were able to win the football game. UNC made an incredible comeback in the fourth quarter. It made it really interesting and almost was able to win. But I think that's going to be key because North Carolina does have guys that can make differences. They're going to have some of those large plays, but you can't let that trickle down into just continuing allowing that to happen because we've seen UNC go through lapses just in our game last year where they'll be up a score or two and kind of just get comfortable. And then you're able to close that gap. Um, to be honest with the guys that we had out and the talent that UNC had last year, it's really kind of hard to wrap your head around it being as competitive as it was, but we were able to do that by taking advantage of some of those mistakes and those drops that UNC had, um, real quick, Bill, their North Carolina's offense is so tempo based that you're right. You know, the moment you take that away is when teams start having success. You saw Florida state jump on UNC early in the game last year. Again, UNC came battling back, ended up losing that game against Florida State, a game that they certainly shouldn't have lost. UVA game was the same way. UVA got on them early and made North Carolina play from behind, and they weren't comfortable um, in that mindset of taking the game fully over to the point where they win, right? Um, they're certainly capable of fighting back and scoring quickly, but anytime you can take the tempo away from them and take the game out of their hands, that's when you're most successful because their offense is so explosive. We're going to go ahead and preview the offense now, um, and that starts with, arguably the best quarterback in college football. Grayson, go ahead and give us a lowdown on Sam Howell. So let's talk about it. Sam Howell, we've, we talked to him, we talked about him two weeks ago, uh, pretty in depth on this podcast, but uh, he's a Heisman hopeful. He has been this entire off season and he is ESPN and the ACC digital networks golden boy in 2021. I, in my personal opinion, and you guys may disagree with this. I think he's more hyped than DJ Yugi Agalele. Did I do that right? Yugi Agalele. Yeah, no yeah. question about it. Yugi yeah. Agalele. I used to think it was like DJ Ukulele, which would have been even cooler. But regardless, Sam Howell, 6'1", 220, 220 pounds, completed 237 passes on 348 attempts in 2020 for 3,586 yards, 30 touchdowns. Averages 10.3 yards per play in the air. And then, I mean... His running statistics were nothing to really sneeze at, but I know he can. Yeah, I mean, he ran against the Hokies. He's he's dangerous on his feet, and he is he's about it. He's that dude. He really is. I mean, I I think some people may, some Hokies may look at him, and not just Hokies, but say, ah, he he's a little overrated. I really do think that he's the best quarterback in the ACC in 2021. That's my opinion. Um, open to discussion, y'all. I mean, I, he he scares me. 
Uh, he's the, going to be public enemy number one this Friday. Sam Howell has arguably the best deep ball out of any college prospect um, in a long time. He is unbelievable when he has his feet set, just chucking it deep. We saw last year um, with Diami Brown. We yeah. saw two years ago with Daz Newsom. We know Daz gave Chamari Connor fits two years ago. They don't have Diami Brown and they don't have Daz Newsom. Uh, but yeah, Sam Howell, very, very, very impressive deep ball. But uh, Grayson, you didn't you didn't address this. Which Backstreet Boy is Sam Howell? Is isn't he like in the Backstreet Boys or In Sync or one of those two? I, I I don't know anything about that, but I just said he's the poor man's Baker Mayfield. That dude is like the the Walmart Kirkland brand Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he's the Walmart Kirkland brand. I mean, this guy's this guy's the real deal. I think the one. I think the one. In terms of I, appearance, in terms of appearance, oh, okay. I, I just said he's the real deal. I don't know. I'm, I'm not like, trying to take him on a date. I'm trying to beat him in a football game. Uh, 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 you asked me, was he in the Backstreet Boys? I'm like, what are we what are we talking about? I don't know. What I, I, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how much of a contributor he will be in the run game this year because several times, whether it was uh, late in the game against us or against UNC, the one-two punch of their running backs made it to where every sixth or seventh time that they would run a zone read, if he pulled it, he's automatically getting 15 yards. I, A, want to see if Carolina is willing to put him in a position to be running the ball and, B, how much the defenses will respect it when there is still some a little bit more of a suspect feel in their backfield. Mike, do you have any thoughts on the quarterback position for North Carolina? Yeah. I mean, Howell's a monster. Um, biggest thing is to get pressure on him, right? I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. That's how you distract any quarterback and, and make it hard on him. It's just when he has a clean pocket and time to throw, he's just really, really difficult to contain for four quarters. Um, the fact that he was putting up Trevor Lawrence like numbers over the course of his first two collegiate years tells you everything that you need to know. Um, he is, the best quarterback in the ACC, in my opinion. No offense to DJU down there in Clemson. Um, he's going to have a great career and be really good. But, I mean, Sam Howell, in my opinion, is one of the two or three best quarterbacks in college football. So things are going to be really difficult if Tech doesn't hold him down. You mentioned it. Uh, Charles Snowden played a huge part as well in that UVA upset of North Carolina last year. Uh, wreaked havoc in the backfield. Um, but uh, moving right along here. The offensive line has been talked about as one of the bright spots for this North Carolina team. Uh, the offensive line is coached by former Virginia Tech offensive line coach Stacy Searles. Um, they let up 34 sacks last season. That goes for third worst in the ACC. And the right side of their offensive line is pretty solid, but that left side, including the center, is pretty suspect. Um, although they are returning everybody, they're returning a unit that really, really struggled in pass protection last year and keeping Sam Howell clean. Um, they were the benefit of having two NFL caliber running backs. Um, but this offensive line has been talked about as, you know, returning everybody. But if you look at the numbers, they really, really struggled, uh, especially in third down and long situations. Michael, you have anything on uh, the offensive line? literally just blitz the hell out of them. If you can create pressure with four, great. Um, all I've been hearing about in the national media specifically is North Carolina returns all of their offensive line and how good that is. But they all they can really do is run the football last year, right? And when Sam Howell, he makes everything easier on that defense. Or I mean, against, I mean, on their offense, but against the defense he plays against, um, it makes things really difficult. Um, but the fact that, 
you know, he was sacked as many times as he was sacked last year. Tells you everything you need to know about that offensive line. It struggles in pass protection. I don't anticipate that changing much this year. Moving right along from the offensive line position, we move into the running backs. Uh, Mike, what do you see out of the North Carolina running back position? Yeah, Ty Chandler, Tennessee transfer, one of the most sought-after running backs in the transfer portal, um, a little over 2,000 career rushing yards. Um, he has not had a season over 655 yards rushing. That might change this year, just given the offensive line that he's running behind, like I mentioned, um, opening up holes for Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Um, that offensive line was really good last year and should be really good with the running game this year. Um, another option they got is Caleb Hood. He's a freshman. Um, he's a converted dual threat quarterback, former three-star guy. Coaches have been really high on him in camp, but I think the number one guy they'll be running with is Ty Chandler. Running back is definitely my biggest question mark for this football team. Um, UNC had a 44.29 passing play percentage, which goes for 85th in college football and 11th in the ACC. Um, Michael Carter Williams or Michael Carter, sorry. Michael Carter was third in the country with 7.98 yards per carry. And Javante Williams was ninth in the country with 7.26 yards per carry. It's really difficult not to be able not to understate how important this running back room was for North Carolina. Uh, and Sam Howell really, really relied on this running back group. Uh, and it looks like this is going to be a position where Sam Howell is going to be throwing the ball more than he has over the course of his career, uh, not having that position group to rely on. And it's going to be mostly a group of wide receivers that were not um, – on this roster or contributing then. So Grayson, what do you have out of the wide receiver room? Yeah, Bill. So, I mean, this is another point that we've tried to tried to hammer home is that, I mean, Sam Howell is going to be throwing to a bunch of, I say nobodies, not to disrespect their wide receivers, but I would say outside of Sam Howell, public enemy number two this Friday is Josh Downs. Uh, Josh Downs is going to look to fill the void left by very talented Deami Brown Downs had seven receptions in 2020, three of which were touchdowns. Yes, three out of his seven receptions were for touchdowns. He averaged 17 yards per play. Outside of Josh Downs, I would also look to super senior. Uh, Bo Corrales is another weapon to watch. He stands at 6'3". Bo Corrales. <laughs> sure. It is. Uh, you got to say it the right way. You got to say it the right way. Bo Corrales? No. Bo Corrales! Did you, did you guys practice that in unison? 6'3", 209 pounds. He pulled in 13 receptions for 238 yards and a touchdown in 2020 and averaged 18.3 yards per play last year. Uh, he's, I guess, their version of Juice Smith, but he's been around for a brick and a half. Uh, newcomer to watch. This is this is my pick. The, the newcomer on the block for the heels who's going to be a thorn in our side is true sophomore Kafre Brown. Don't know if I said his first name right, uh, but Brown was a member of Mac Brown's first huge recruiting hall in that 2019 class. He was a .91 four-star composite recruit. Uh, he'll be wearing the number one jersey. And so I think if there's any young buck who makes noise for Carolina on offense on Friday, it's safe to anticipate that it's going to be him. And I hate it for Pat Finn because Brown is from Charlotte, North Kakalaki. So that's uh, that's what we got going on for for Carolina wide receivers. It'll be interesting to see how they do without Newsom and uh, Deami. Got to say something about the Charlotte Tar Heels. I've met I've met a couple dozen down here since I've lived here for six months. 
And they're all, you know, really excited about Mac Brown, really on the train. And, you know, oh, Virginia Tech, like, that's awesome. I've always wanted to go to a game up there. I'm like, oh, nice. Like, you know, we're playing Labor Day weekend. You coming up there? Like, no, like, uh, no, I'm not. They're just waiting on basketball. Season. Not grit. They're just waiting. They're just waiting for basketball, I guess. So kicking things off with the North Carolina defense. Um, one of the biggest highlights here is that Chaz Surratt, uh, who we all know was a super impactful player uh, on the linebacking core. He's now in the NFL. He's gone. Thank goodness. Eugene Asante. If, if that name rings a bell, Westfield High School. Mike, fact check. Westfield High School. I know he's a Northern Virginia guy. Ooh, I'm going to have to double check that. Westfield might be right, though. I'll tell yeah. you in two seconds. Lost the recruiting battle um, to Carolina, but Eugene Asante is one of, the, um, one of the key players in the middle there for Carolina. But on the defensive line, um, you have a guy like Clyde Pinder, Miles Murphy, um, as well as Keyshawn Silver and Javari Ritzy are all folks to watch out for. They return essentially their entire defensive line. Um, so they will see some improvement on the defensive line this year uh, in Carolina. But Bill, or uh, Grayson, talk to us about the defensive backs and our friend uh, our friend from Virginia Beach. Yeah, so uh, everybody knows uh, the name Tony Grimes. Fact. Tony Grimes is one of the best defensive backs in college football, and he's only a true sophomore. Not only was he the number one overall defensive back in the Commonwealth of Virginia upon his recruitment, if people remember, he was also the number one defensive back in the country. Uh, it's not really a secret. Mac Brown definitely landed a trophy fish when, when getting Grimes to commit to Chapel Hill. Uh, and so as a result, you know, Hokies kind of have a sour taste in their mouths about Tony Grimes and, and how that all went down. But regardless, he's a North Carolina Tar Heel. Ain't nothing we can do to change him. Is he a true sophomore or is he technically a freshman this year? Because didn't he didn't he reclassify from from twenty? He he played. He played. Yeah, but last year doesn't count. Oh well, either but way, true freshman. He did he did play last year. Right. He, yeah, he did see the field. And he is leaving, or I mean, I would assume that he would leave after next year. But yeah, he's a three-year college player. I think. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's um, going to be like, uh, be like um, Tremaine Edmonds when he gets drafted. He's going yeah. like, to be like nineteen years old. Yeah, he's going to drink really, really burgers and margaritas at the uh, at the draft. <laughs> at the draft. <laughs> anyway, Tony Grimes, a hokey that he makes me think of is Kendall Fuller, in the sense that he, Kendall Fuller was also a five-star recruit one of the top defensive backs in the country, and immediately came in and made a huge impact for his team. I'll never forget, Kendall Fuller was lined up against like Amari Cooper in 2013 when we opened the season against Alabama. You saw, you saw what Amari Cooper has done. It was a first-round draft pick uh, and a very, very talented wide receiver, and Kendall held his own. Uh, Grimes is going to be the same way. He's a hell of a football player, but that doesn't mean that Jimmy Mitchell isn't going to take him to daycare, so can't wait. Uh, on the other side, Ladazen Hollins lines up across from Grimes. He stands at 6'2", 210 pounds. Not as much experience. Uh, he, is a, he is a junior from Tampa, Florida. He appeared in 10 games in 2020, had 13 total tackles, two breakups, and his first career interception. Uh, so, Braxton Burmeister, if you're listening to this podcast right now, aim for uh, Holland's side of the field. Uh, but, yeah, they, they got talent in the defensive back room. So, uh, just – 
stay away from Tony Grimes. I hope Jackson Burmeister is not listening to his public podcast and he's in a foam bubble. Uh, Drinking tea and meditating. Tea and meditating. That's right. Can I squash? Can I squash a narrative about this game real quick? That I keep hearing. Um, North Carolina. This notion that North Carolina's defense is shut down. They gave up over thirty-one points per game last year. They gave up. I think they were seventy-eighth or seventy-ninth in the country in points per play. They were outside the top seventy-five in yards per play given up on defense. Like this is not an elite defense. Like I've been hearing like nat like national media talk about this game, like North Carolina's got an elite defense returning. They don't talk so. that. Talk that Mike McDaniel. Now I, I think they'll be better. They got a lot, they got a lot returning, right? I mean, 10 out of 11 starters are back, right? We just talked about Surratt being the only guy who's not back. I expect North Carolina's defense will be a little bit better, but it's not like tech's not gonna be able to move the football at all. Like, I think that's silly. So Mike McDaniel is not buying. The UNC defense, he says they are not elite. However, a name that we missed out on that is elite, an elite name, Storm Duck. <laughs> Storm Duck, quack, quack season. Uh, out of, the, out of uh, leading the corners over in Carolina. I just got to say, I was looking up Storm Duck's profile here on Carolina's football website. He's only a true sophomore, technically. I feel like that's a guy who's been around a long time, and he's technically only a true sophomore because of the COVID year. Um, but he's another talented guy in that room. Um, but also, just before we get over the special teams, looking on the Carolina roster page, they have his Twitter. Yeah, have, I was about to they say have, how- they have his Twitter, they have his Instagram, and they also have his, a line for his TikTok. How so, ungrid is that? So TikTok has made an appearance. On the Carolina roster, under every profile, uh, not grit, not grit, not grit. But we knew that Carolina was not uh, was not the grit school, but that's okay. Uh, Pat, pre- I have long said special teams is the area where your depth and your recruiting is able to make a difference earlier than it may normally make a difference. Um, so talk to me about North Carolina's special teams unit. You guys know about Daz Newsom. He's gone. That's awesome. Daz Newsom was a threat uh, returning punts for North Carolina over the past few years. Michael Carter returned kicks for North Carolina. He is also gone. Uh, so they will be breaking in some new blood at kick return and punt return this season. Grayson already talked about Josh Downs. Josh Downs is a big threat, big play threat on the offensive side when he gets the ball. Um, you know, he, he's a high, high four-star recruit from the 2020 class. Um, there's also Ty Chandler, the transfer from uh, Tennessee, who is going to be their primary kick returner, kind of some unknowns there. Um, punter, Irish guy, Ben Kiernan from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, I didn't get much more Irish than that, Pat. You know, you get uh, you get Ben Kiernan from Ireland. You got Oscar Bradburn and Lou Headley from Australia. I know JMU's. Hunter Harry, what's his last name? Harry. I don't know. I'm not well versed. Australian in the guy. Um, love the international punters. I wonder if there's ever going to be like an Italian punter. You know, he says, "Hey, soccer didn't work out for me, um, and I couldn't audition in kicking and screaming. So here I am, <laughs> uh, deciding to punt and or kick the football." Um, in two years, Ben Kiernan from Dublin has averaged 42.2 yards per kick or per punt, I should say. 
and has put over half of his punts inside of the 20 yard line. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good statistic. Good for Ben. Uh, their kicker, his name is Grayson Atkins. What a chump. A, what a chump. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice name, kid. Hashtag not my Grayson. <laughs> and he's a graduate, tra- he's a graduate transfer from Furman University. Grayson Atkins went 12 of 18 last year with a long of 51, but uh, most of those misses were actually earlier in the season. He did uh, turn a corner towards the second half of the year. Miss Ruggles. Noah Ruggles. Ruggles! (laughs) The best was when Ruggles missed it by like six inches to Mm -hmm. the right and it hit the, it hit the flag. Yeah. Which is a rarity. You know, you never really see kicks hit the flag. Um, Poor Ruggles, man. Yeah. That was brutal. Tough, tough L. The keys to the game are brought to you by the hub. What? I'm holding keys. Oh, (laughs) the keys. Shaking keys. I'm shaking invisible keys in front of Billy's face. He says, what are you doing? I thought we were audibling. Uh, The keys to the game are brought to you by the hub in Blacksburg. Fun fact. We're actually going to have boots on the ground and check out the hub in Blacksburg this very week. We're excited about it. Folks have moved in. An absolute next-level living experience. If you're looking for a place to live, they still have spots this year or lock in your spot for next year. Head on over to the huboncampus.com slash Blacksburg and check them out. It is not just a living arrangement. It is also a community. Make some friends. College is all about it. Get outside. Shake some hands. Make some friends. Uh, Keys to the game. Grayson, wait, wait, wait. Aren't you going to do – the hub's going to give you your keys – we're, we're going to give you the keys, keys to victory. To you're right. You're right. I forgot about that. I'm, we're, we're, we're not in midseason form yet, but we're catching up. Grayson, what are your keys to the game? Unreal. Unreal. Uh, real simple. Bring the wrath of God down on Sam Howell and protect our quarterback, Braxton Burmeister. Number two, open up the playbook. We have a myriad of offensive weapons. We need to use every single one of them. And then the last thing, secondary has got to be sharp. I hope Jermaine Waller is, is back 100% ready to go because I know last year in the UNC game he was not. Uh, Chamari Connor, Devin Hunter, and Dorian Strong need to be ready to rock and go to war on Friday. Whoever covers Josh Downs, they're going to get work. They're, they're going to get a workout in because he's going to be Sam Howell's go-to wide receiver down the stretch. So. Uh, that's going to be the guy to, to look out for. That's Sam Howell to Josh Downs connection. Mike, what you got? Two things. It sounds really cliche, but Tech's got to stop the run. I mean, they didn't really do it last year. They have to do it in this football game. And then once they're able to do that, they got to be able to create pressure with four without blitzing Sam Howell. That is so cru- uh, so crucially important in this game to be able to not blitz and still get pressure on Howell. This is courtesy of 24-7 Sports. Howell's been sacked 70 times in 23 games against FBS competition. So it averages out to a little bit over three sacks per game. That was seventh nationally uh, in 2019, ninth in 2020 in percentage of pressures leading to sacks, according to Pro Football Focus. So what does this mean? Um, This means that every four pressures against Sam Howell results in a sack. If Virginia Tech's able to do that on Friday and they're able to slow down the run at the very least with Ty Chandler and Caleb Hood, I think they're going to have a great chance. Play football like the veteran upper-class football team that we are. Last year, or let's go in a time machine real quick. In 2019, six losses for North Carolina came from one score or less. And we talked about that in our preview pod last year about how North Carolina is right there 
they're a couple plays away from having a completely different season than playing Temple in a bowl game. Last year, Virginia Tech had three losses to teams in the top 25 by one score or less. This is going to be a game where both teams, it's the first time you're coming out. You're going to have some rust to shake out. They're going to be explosive plays, but you have to stay the course, bend but do not break like we saw against North Carolina in that six-overtime game. Must protect the football, must protect the football, and have discipline and gap integrity. Gap integrity was an absolute killer last year. They did have great running backs, but we have to be able to not let – 15-yard gains turn into 45-yard gains or 50-yard touchdowns. And it's cliche, but it's true. And I don't mean to go get everybody all fired up here, but the fans are a part of this football game. Lane Stadium is one of the biggest advantages that Virginia Tech has for it. 66,000 or however close that we can get to it, everybody needs to know that they are a part of the game and part of the environment Sam Howell, yes, one of the best in the country, will be needing to make audibles and communicate with his young wide receivers and his new running backs. Be active on third down. Be loud on passing plays. Be loud on third down. Have a fantastic time. We've been waiting for this for over a year. It is going to be a special, special afternoon, and um, I think Virginia Tech fans can play a huge part in walking out victorious. A request to Virginia Tech fans. Billy Ray just said, be loud on third down. No, we are loud on first, second, third, and fourth down. That's true. Thank you. Um, if, we want to, if we want an opportunity to win this game, we're going to have to show up, and that's all of us here. But speaking of third down, uh, my key to the game is for Virginia Tech on offense on third downs. How can we make sure that our third down offense is efficient? Um because third down efficiency has been kind of one of the biggest talking points uh, in the tenure of this staff uh, over the last few years. Um, so that involves plays on first and second down that can create, you know, or, you know, a first down play that can create a second and four rather than a second and eight or a, a second down play that can create a third and three rather than a third and six um, will be paramount. So keep an eye out on, uh, the down and distance for Virginia Tech, and if we are able to convert on third downs on the offensive side of the ball. Score predictions. Grayson, what is your score prediction against North Carolina on September 3rd? First, I, I too, Billy Ray, you just hopped in the time machine. I'd like to hop in one as well. Do it. I said two weeks ago, Mike McDaniel was there as our witness. I said I that uh, that we were going to lose 45 to 24. And I think that was an emotional response. I'd like to rescind that take. Uh, it may not be that high scoring for Carolina. In fact, I know it won't be. I do think we will lose. I still do think that Carolina is the more talented team. I still do believe that. I'm taking the heels 35 to 24. Uh, and if it isn't blatantly obvious, I hope I'm wrong. Regardless, y'all, this week is about to be so much freaking fun. I cannot wait to see you guys. And uh, the time has come, gentlemen. Okay, we got it. It's game week, baby. It's Carolina hate week. Billy Ray, score prediction. Grayson, 
You are wrong. This team is not more talented than this Virginia Tech football team. We have been told all season about how North Carolina is going to run over the Coastal. Maybe Miami will have something to say about it. North Carolina may have the best player in the ACC in Sam Howell. I do not believe that they have the best team, and that team is not going to be the best version of itself week one for sure there's going to be a lot of shaking off the dust that they're going to do and this is not ohio state buckeyes stepping in to lane stadium like they did in 2015 this is not like having clemson come in in 2017 this is the north carolina tar heels who wear powder blue who do photo shoots who take pictures on the field in bathrobes and who have gotten drudged by the virginia tech hokies year in and year out for the exception of last year. I believe in our football team. I love our ability to prepare off of a bye week or the first week of the season. I expect our defense to take a massive step forward after not having to deal with as many injuries and as much turnover and having a full off season to implement coach Hamilton's system. With that said, I like Virginia tech winning this football game 28 to 31 Take that under. I love that under. I love that under. And I talked about it on a couple other podcasts and I tweeted about it. The parallels for this game and the game that we played against West Virginia in 2017 are there. It's another quarterback who everybody is trying to tell you how good they are and another Virginia Tech team where everybody's kind of, I don't know what we're going to do with the quarterback position. Ah, Man, Isaiah Ford's gone. What are we going to do with the wide receiver position? I'm excited to watch it happen. I'm excited for it to come together. I like Virginia Tech to win this football game. Four names. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Deami Brown, Daz Newsom. Second, fourth, sixth, and third round picks. They accounted for over 70% of Carolina's production in 2020. Shout out to our guy, Hunker Down Hokie, who pointed out that in Virginia Tech's game against Carolina last year, 656 total uh, yards were put up by Carolina. 538 of those yards were from those four players. Now, this newcomer, Ty Chandler, only averaged just above 4.5 or 4.6 yards per carry at Tennessee. That is not Javante Williams and Michael Carter, you know, averaging like eight yards per carry. Um, Our defense is going to be a lot better. And mainly because we are actually going to start the players and play the players that are healthy and are going to be made available. But this is not the same Carolina team from last year. They have newcomers who have plenty of talent, but are completely unproven. You go into Lane Stadium after we've been bottled up for about two years. It's been what, 600, I think 650 or 670 days. We did the math a few weeks ago since we shut out Pitt in 2019 and all of Hokie Nation was together. That was so fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So I am, I, am, uh, I am on board with Virginia Tech winning game one. We match up very favorably against North Carolina, 30-24 to 24 Virginia Tech, also on the, uh, the under train. Mike um, McDaniel, prediction. <laughs> Before we do letters from the lunch pail, um, yeah, I got um, – so th- this is interesting. I mean, the, the way I look at this is North Carolina can certainly – win the Coastal. They can certainly win 10 games. They can certainly be as good as the national media thinks they are. 
the way I look at this game, though, and I, I can't shy away from the fact that my gut keeps coming back to Virginia Tech matching up so incredibly well defensively against North Carolina skill position talent that quite honestly will be playing their first real college football game. Um, when you consider some of the wide receivers that North Carolina has, and yeah, sure, they rotated in some last year and played a little bit. We talked about Coffrey Brown. We talked about Bo Corrales, you know, who's the one veteran guy returning. But North Carolina's receiving core has not played a real college football game before in front of a crowd like we're going to see in Lane Stadium on Friday night, 63, 64, 65,000 people, whatever it ends up being at the end of the day. Um, that receiving talent and the running back room, um, especially the young guys like Caleb Hood, have not seen an atmosphere like that before. I think that matters. Um, the offenses generally don't click early on in the year, um, really at any school, um, but especially when you're breaking in a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, no matter how talented they are. Virginia Tech returns a secondary that's veteran-laden, that has been in this environment before, that knows how to play in big-time games. I like Virginia Tech's secondary against North Carolina's wide receiver talent. I think Sam Howell is going to throw the ball a ton. I don't think Ty Chandler can replace everything that Michael Carter and Javante Williams brought to the table rushing the football last year. And I think Virginia Tech under Brad Cornelson, look, we nitpick everything you know, from a play call standpoint situationally and rightfully so. But Brad Cornelson offenses score points. They've proven they can do it against Mac Brown's teams. They've proven they can do it against these Jay Bateman coach defenses at North Carolina. I think Virginia Tech scores enough points to win this football game. 27 to 24 Hokies. I'm riding Ooh. with Tech in this one. Virginia <laughs> Tech wins in an upset. Wow. You guys uh, saw college game day on Saturday, how everyone picked Carolina? Yes. That was some cap. Kiss of death. The kiss of death. <laughs> kiss of death. Damn. Can we, before we jump into this next segment, is everybody on the same page that college game day needs to stop going to neutral site games? There were so many great games this weekend that, that they could have picked, and they're going to sit in a parking lot. I like Charlotte. Can you go to a college campus, please? Yeah, I, I, I do agree. But they are going to go to the best college football game, and it is Clemson, Georgia next weekend. I suppose, but I just I, I, it rubs me the wrong way when it's not on a campus. This, this should be done on a campus. Host a show from a campus. You want to have your announcers at the other game? That's fine. But I got a question. I got a I question. Got, so in like, in, like, in like 2025, Virginia Tech plays uh, South Carolina. And, and, I, and yeah, in a neutral which I, site. Which I was reading about the other day. I forgot. It's gonna be yeah, it's, it's going to be a really, really good game. But yeah. like, would you be mad if game day showed up to that game? I wouldn't be angry, but I don't think that they should be there. I think regardless, whether it benefits Virginia Tech or not, they should be on a college campus, not on a uh, professional football football team's parking lot and then have a bunch of randos showing up. That's just my opinion. I find it a lot more exciting when you're on a college campus. It's a lot more exciting for the students who are there sure. who can roll out of their dorm. Because that's really – I mean, if you think about it, it's for the – the college community, right? Um, I mean, I don't know if that's a great take, but <laughs> I think it is. I, I completely like, agree like, with you. Like, okay, college game day is special to the kids at Virginia Tech when we played Clemson in 2017 because those kids were able to roll out of bed and see these massive, oh yeah, uh, this massive set set up in front of Torrey. It's, it's a week long thing. Special. 
That's it's not all- special when it's at an NFL stadium. So yeah, well, I, I agree with all that. I'm just I'm just curious for for Bill because I mean like. I kind of see both sides. Like, yeah, I'm I'm happy when they're at the biggest it's like game. The Jordan thing, bro. The Jordan thing is cool, regardless of if Caroline is doing it or not. I I, I think I think Jordan it's tomorrow. good. I think it's good that they go to the biggest game, but I always prefer that they be on a college campus. I was, yeah. yeah. So I'm just curious. Like, does that still play to the argument of even if they are at the biggest game? Does that bother you that? It is an. Enjoyment. I just would rather see Kirk and Lee with college students than you know weird randos who are sixty five walking down the streets of Atlanta. They're like, oh, what's going on over here? Agreed with that. Wholeheartedly. Shout out to shout out to College Game Day, y'all. We are in the opening scroll a few God. times. We've been they've been ducking us the past few years, and we're we've finally pretty, in well, it. We've been pretty bad the last few years. Well, you're not wrong about that either. So fair play. All right, everyone. So. um Today, Billy Ray had a long day. He had to fly in from San Diego. I had a good day. I, I got to play golf today. But <laughs> we finished up our day, and we went over to Kava, and we had a bowl from Kava. We did. But guess what, guys? Kava's good. You know what? It's it's literally I, I could walk to it from where I live. But I really wish it was Roots. Roots Natural Kitchen. And guess what? We will be able to go to Roots Natural Kitchen this week. Uh, Roots Natural Kitchen. It's on Price's Fork in Blacksburg, Virginia. They are the official sponsor of the Sons of Saturday from a healthy eating perspective. You want to get a healthy bowl, the healthy alternative, you go in, you get your Roots Bowl, and they give you a lot of food. But here's the thing. It's healthy food. Uh, (laughs) Billy thinks that's funny. So Roots Natural Kitchen, head on down to Roots Natural Kitchen. Go try yourself a bowl. Use promo code Sons of Sat 21. You got to download the app. If you're going to go in there and say it at the register, they're going to they're going to no, look no, no, at no. you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to look at you and be like, "Hey, you, do you even listen to the podcast? Are you an idiot? We asked you <laughs> not to do this. Specifically <laughs> so asked. Please us not download to do that. download the app, order through the app, use the promo code, get 20% off on your bowl. And Brock Hoffman, who you guys might know, NIL alert, NIL alert, wee woo, wee woo. NIL alert, Brock uh, Hoffman is going to be a, uh, a Roots athlete. Yes, he is. Are we breaking that news? Oh, has Brock put that out there? I don't, I don't know. know if I, 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 I don't know, but he doesn't know this, but I, I'm grabbing my camera and we're going to do a little uh, commercial. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to set that up. He doesn't know that, but, but Brock now, Hoffman. He does now. He, he knows does now. now. He knows six now. Pack, six pack Brock is incoming. After all of these sweet potatoes and these uh, garnishes and basil, kale, kale, kale is a superfood, just people, like an avocado. People talk about kale. People they talk say about it's it. it's pretty it, good. It, Jim Gaffigan says it tastes like bug spray, and that's I <sighs> think that's very relevant. Yeah, but not 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 roots natural kitchen. That's all right. right. So <laughs> we will be doing a roots uh, roots tailgate, roots catering tailgate, Notre Dame game. Keep that on your calendar. Put that on your calendar. Well, I just slid that in calendar. there. That was the e. most thing you said the whole time. That's right. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get into these letters from the lunch field. Thank you, Roots. We can't wait to eat there this week, guys. I'm excited about this. Grant Watson is back with his over unders that he gives us weekly, uh, and here they are. So we're just gonna go around town with everybody's over under predictions. We'll go Grayson, Mike, Pat, and then myself for the order. Braxton Burmeister rushing yards 75 over, over. Or under over. over oh yeah 
Okay. Big time. All right. Um, I hope not, Mike. I hope not, too. I'm going to go under. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Under. I don't think Burmeister's ever rushed for, like, more than 60 in a game. Yeah, I just don't think this early they're going to put him in a position where he's needing to – he's going to be in a position to rush for 75 yards. Um, I like to stir it up. It's all good, though. All right. Well, I, I hope I hope I hope he's back there. Don't in the take pocket. him to the bank. Yeah, don't take <laughs> hey, that to the bank. Hey, if if he's if he's rushing for over seventy five yards, it better only be on a few carries. He yeah, I was about to say one. Who knows, man? He can break one. I would be yeah. if, if he's if they're for breaking them and he's not ending up on the sideline or on the ground, then that's fine with me. That's fine too. Yeah. Um, Sam Howe passing yards, two eighty five, over <laughs> or under. <sighs> Under. Wow. Under. Mike. Grayson, if it goes under, UNC is not scoring 35 points, baby. I'm going right. to go over. Say, Grayson, these, these over-unders are going right against uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, in this game. I'm taking just barely under, though. Just, like, barely under. 284 and a half? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to If they score 35 go. points, if they score 35 points and 284 passing yards, then they're going to have some really good running backs again. This, I'm yeah. going to go over because I feel like they have to throw a bunch in game one yeah, just yeah. because they're breaking in a bunch of new skill position guys. And mm-hmm. Sam Howell's the one guy who you got to put in his hands to win the game. He's comfortable playing in an environment like this. So I think they're going to have to throw it a bunch. So I'm going to go over. Go for it, Pat. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a very interesting one, Grant. I'm going to say over for the same reason that Mike just said. Um, Howell actually was... This the under would have hit last year in last year's game. Um, what the hell was the over under last year? Last year, so last year, About like four hundred yards. Last year, Sam Howell threw for two hundred fifty-seven yards. But you got to remember, <laughs> Devontae Williams and Michael Carter ran for like two hundred fifty yards. It's true. Yeah, they're still running. So we're gonna go with the over there too. They're gonna throw it around a lot. I'm gonna go over, and, and again, I think the score, uh, my score prediction will will line up with that because I think. I, I see us winning the turnover battle. I hope I'm hoping we find a way to win the turnover battle. And then Amari Barno sacks one and a half. I think one is a lock. I think one sack one's, is a guarantee. One. I'm gonna go under. I, I I don't I don't I don't see a two sack game. Uh, I'm gonna go under. Under. I gotta go under. I I agree. One is a lock, but one's like. A lock. Uh, if someone else sacks Sam Howell, it, it might be like a Norrell Pollard or somebody. Mike. Barno's not going to sneak up on anybody like he did last year. They're game planning for oh, him yeah, on that side of the line. It's going to be hard to get more than one. I, I think he'll get one. It's hard to get more than that, though. I'm going to go under two. Uh, I'm going to go with a push. Amari Barno, one and a half sacks. Oh, on Friday night. Oh, oh you're What's the difference? Half, huh? Okay. Right. Half okay. sacks, half, half, half sacks, sacks exist. Okay. okay, Sam Howell. What a back, what a backdoor, what a backdoor like answer to that like question. That? Amari Barno, <laughs> one and a half sacks. Lock it in. We're pushing. Sorry, Grant. <laughs> Go ahead, Grace. So what's the next you're question? Your we money got. back. Hokey twenty eight asks, who would Mike McDaniel add to the D line from the offense if we run into depth issues early on? <laughs> wow. Can this not be a thing? <laughs> Dude, the, before that happens, we're gonna go three. We're gonna go three down with like Jordan Williams at defensive end before we take like Lasita Smith and put him on a right, right, right. No, I 
I agree. And we're going to be breaking in a bunch of the freshmen on the defensive line. Cole Nelson's going to play. Stretch Carroll's going to play before we even worry about that. And they're probably buried on the 3D, on the uh, 2D. They're probably third on the 2D. <laughs> Brock Hoffman at nose tackle. Like, uh, yeah. so they're, Jack, they're not even there. Jack Hollifield on the D line. <laughs> you heard it here first. Rocking 66. Look, look, Jeez. if there was one guy, Jack Hollifield's not a bad choice, though. Okay. We'll say that. James Copeland, having Mac Brown as a head coach over or underrated? I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that it's it's appropriately rated. I mean, they're a top 10 team in the country. They're they're recruiting extremely well. Um, does anybody want to zag that? I, I'm not going to zag it. I'm just going to say that Mac Brown is a great recruiter, but he's not as good of a coach as he is a recruiter. Um, we have not seen them really performed yet I mean, last year they they almost lost to wake forest they lost to virginia um this is a team that is extremely overrated right now uh i think having mac brown as a coach is probably appropriately rated can i can i pose a question then if they're overrated where do we all think what is north carolina north carolina is a nine and three program Right now, uh huh. They have not done anything. Nine and three program, running back, similar, very similar to last year. I actually find it harder, hard to believe they're going to be better than last year. Sam Howell is a year better, and they have new faces who are unproven. So it's like it's kind of like a talk to me in six weeks kind of thing. If they win the coastal this year, and and you know, like like that would to me would be like okay. You know, Mac Brown is he's done something other than just recruit. He's, he's he has done won something. a national championship. He has, but not a, at UNC. No, no, he won it at Texas. Texas right. But that won. was kind of the that was kind of the deal with Mac Brown was he always had talent and he never was able to get over the hump until he got this guy named Vince Young, who ended up being pretty damn good. Uh, Mike, what is your opinion on this North Carolina team? What is appropriate rating for this team? I mean, I. I don't think North Carolina is the 10th best team in the country, but as far as Mac Brown's concerned, like what do you want your program to be? Right. Do you want your program to, and what are the expectations for your program, whether or not Mac Brown's a head coach, right? That that's a big question for me, right? When Mac Brown retires, what's North Carolina going to be after this, regardless of what happens this year, like say they win 10 or 11 games this year and Mac Brown retires in a year or two. Like, are they going to go back to being like a seven or an eight win team because Mac Brown's not there? That's how we evaluate Mac Brown, North Carolina. Mac Brown, the coach, he's always been a really good recruiter. Vince Young took him over the top at Texas. Um, but Mac Brown and his teams have a tendency to underwhelm a bit relative to expectations. That happened several times at Texas. That's why he was let go from there. Um, it happened a few times last year. You know, we talked about the Virginia game, we talked about the Florida State game. They gave a 53 to Wake Forest. Like, they have a way to just not necessarily show up when they need to, but have really talented teams. So what do you want your program to be? I think he's a perfect coach for North Carolina because North Carolina doesn't have high expectations on the football side and they end up being really good. Um, so Virginia Tech would love to have Matt Brown. I'll tell you that a lot of fans would love to have him. So uh, do with that what you will. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, I think he's properly rated North Carolina for sure. Next question comes from Parks and Rec. Outside of quarterback, 
what position group has to have the best game to come out with the win? Uh, defensive backs. D-line. D-line. Um, I would say I would say D-line and linebackers. So, the, I mean, I'm going to be watching the front seven the whole time. The linebacker yeah, is the most interesting to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you watch, like, man, Ashby, Ashby really struggled against North Carolina last year. All of our fits were just not, were just not good. Um, so I, I think it comes down to this front seven to be completely honest. Look, our offense is going to score points. Like our offense is going to score points. It comes down to, you know, who's going to be able to make less mistakes and who's going to be able to take care of the football. I think the offense scored points with Ryan Willis. It'll the, be offense. Fi- the offense will be fine guy. You know, yeah. like, I'm Folks worried about the offense. Ryan Willis got this team in the end zone. They'll be fine. Or <laughs> is that a backhanded compliment? Uh, yeah, Ryan Willis was that good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our yeah. offense, newsflash: <laughs> our offense has scored thirty points per game uh, just about every year. This staff has been here. We should have won more football games. Um, I take that know, as you may. I, I agree. The front seven will be will definitely be very very important and integral in us winning the football game i just think from you know devin hunter seeing the field for the first time in what feels like forever uh having a what i hope is a 100 jermaine waller back is is going to be huge and then the young bull dorian strong man i, I really think he's going to have a breakout year and then obviously i mean shamari connor is he's a, he's a beast but in coverage he has struggled in the past so we'll see those North Carolina fans chirping on their message boards about Jermaine Waller, that wasn't the 2020 version of Jermaine Waller they saw in that North Carolina game was not not was at not all. 100% healthy in all ACC Jermaine Waller. He'll be a different player. I can't imagine what the message boards for North Carolina football are like. Seven. They must probably just be like, it's hey, something. where are the custom team and player coaches only Jordans on eBay? <laughs> yeah. They got a lot of fans think they'll beat Clemson, which is – Absurd to me. Yeah, they've, played, they've played really well against them the last couple of years, though. They have. I, I don't. I don't see them getting over the top there. But the fact that they rolled option right with Sam Howell, what was it? A two point conversion. Mm-hmm. They went for the win. Yeah. Did not let let him throw the ball. I, that has nothing to do with this conversation. Yeah, I, don't, I wasn't <laughs> ready for that. <laughs> that. Um, okay, so you guys, you guys are pretty much. Uh, blanketing the entire defense uh, defensive position groups need to contribute to win this game. I'm going to go with Mike with defensive line as a position group that really needs to perform, but also special teams, special teams could have a, uh, could have a huge breakout special teams on one side of the ball versus the other. That could be the difference in this game because it could be a, a one score game. So special teams too. Don't sleep. Last question from the letters, uh, letters from lunch pail to some, no, it's T zero zero SM. Tooozum. I don't know. So can we get some clarification? Uh Ozum uh has several questions. One, oh, I love Hokey Hangover. So a nice shout out for Mike. Mike, shout out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um we have heard enough predictions about Virginia Tech. Maybe we have. Who will replace UNC's departures? Who has the advantage between Virginia Tech's defensive line and UNC's offensive line? I think uh, I'll take a bite at the second one. Um, I think Tech, in terms of their first unit, has the advantage over the offensive line of North Carolina. Again, it's going to come down to what kind of blitz packages are we able to put together, how well are they working with the running backs. Um, But it has been proven over time 
that the quarterback can be sacked behind this offensive line that everybody is talking about how good they are returning, especially from the left side over to the center. Pass protection sucks. Pass this offensive line. They suck. For North Carolina. Absolutely. Call it what it is. Um, Tell them how you feel, Mike. That's, I mean, the, the proof's in the pudding. All spade is spade, baby. Um, <laughs> and then who do you uh, – do you have a specific name you're looking out for, Mike, in terms of somebody to jump off the screen replacing uh, on the offense, whether it be at wide receiver or at running back? Yeah, as far as the advantage between Tech's defensive line, North Carolina's offensive line, obviously North Carolina's offensive line um, won the point of attack last year in the running game. Um, pass protection, I think. Tech's defensive line, it's obvious with the defensive ends in Garbutt um, returning, which I think is huge. And the fact that you're getting Amari Barno with the entire offseason get technically sound, I think, you know, the pass rush thing for Virginia Tech has a distinct advantage. But as far as running the football is concerned, um, North Carolina, the holes they were able to open up last year on the offensive line, I think it's obvious that they have um, a bit of an advantage there. I, I think, you know, what a big storyline for Tech all year long will be, you know, how much does Jordan Williams solidify the interior defensive line? But in this game in particular, if North Carolina has success up front again, the question for me is how does Virginia Tech's linebackers adapt, right? Um, Dax Hollyfield moving over from backer to Mike is huge. Um, Ashby was not very good run fitting last year in the middle of the defense. Um, Tisdale, obviously, you know, he has an opportunity to, to step in. Um, you know, his body is in a better spot after an offseason conditioning and working out. I, I think he's in for a big year of backer, but the run fits need to be better on the second level of defense. And that's going to be a big point of emphasis for tech against North Carolina's running attack on Friday. We are all excited to be back in Blacksburg. We're wrapping this podcast up with Sharky shout outs, but I got to say before we get into Sharky shout outs, I don't know if it's the Kool-Aid I don't know if I'm making setting myself up for massive upsetliness, but it seems like the status quo in this room, the vibes are pretty good. As vibes the, are immaculate, I, baby. Vi- vibes are vibes, positive. I think the vibes are pretty. I'm talking about winning this football game. Vibes are good. Um, so <laughs> basically, when I'm walking away from this podcast, is UNC is not who everybody thinks they are. They're exactly who we thought they were. And we're going to find that out on Friday night. Sharky shout outs. Grayson, go first. I, first off, I want to shout out uh, the sun to Saturday. Uh, I am very shouting excited. yourself out. I'm sh- I'm talking about you, you jerk. <laughs> I <laughs> talking about you and Pat Finn. I can't wait to see you guys. It's going to be our second time ever at a game together, which is crazy. Uh, shout out to Mike McDaniel. We always love having you on, man. You're a, you're a freaking rock star, uh, and and it's always a pleasure chopping it up with you. And I can't wait to meet you in person. That's going to be awesome. Uh, and just everybody, you know, we'll see you in Blacksburg this week. I'll be there Tuesday. I will be at Tots Tuesday singing karaoke. Later in the week, I will be at Sharky's. This is Sharky shoutouts after all. Oh, yeah. And uh, – we got a trailer coming out and it drops on Tuesday at noon uh, EST. So 9 a.m. PST for my West Coasters. Awesome. The awesome. the trailer, this one is going to, this will be the fourth, fourth trailer I've ever made. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. So check out our Instagram. You'll be able to see it there. You'll be able to see it on YouTube. We're going to share it on Facebook. Uh, so at noon, when you're eating lunch or breakfast on the West Coast, it's going to have you ready to run through a freaking break. Or if you're a D-Gen. And you're oh, yeah, and so just, just be ready for that. Other than that, y'all, I'm so freaking fired up. 
Uh, shout out to me for being an idiot for thinking that Sam Howell's going to pass for less than 285 yards. I'm that was mor- dumb. I'm a moron. Anyway, uh, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, oh, no, I hope I'm right. I hope I'm right. Anyway, You're done. I'm You're done. done. I'm done. I'm done. Get Move on. Wa- get this guy a water. Pat, I'm excited. Ahead. I'm so stoked, man. I'm gassed. Go ahead, Pat. Shout out to Two Minute Drill Field. That thread, it was like 15 tweets long. It was a thread that essentially was previewing this Carolina game. It got me pretty fired up um, just going over the matchup um, historically from last year and then looking at this year as far as comparing rosters um, and a lot of other stuff. So go over to Twitter and check that out um, because that was cool to read a couple days ago. Big time shout out to the Section 5 family. If you sit in Section 5, we have put hats and shirts on the website at sonsofsaturday.com. Section 5 will be rocking on September 3rd. And then the last shout-out goes to uh, my Charlotte friends here. We have hot wings and hotter takes tomorrow at Mooseheads. It's going to be awesome. Kicking off uh, another season of hot wings and hotter takes and uh, I'm excited. Those guys know who they are. I'm getting double baptized this weekend. I'm getting baptized for Hotter Wings, Harder Takes, and a Section 5 baptism. That's that's huge. A huge baptizing, uh, <laughs> Billy Ray baptizing uh, fest uh, going on. Um, <laughs> my shout-outs, shout-out to you guys. Shout-out to everybody this offseason tuning in. It's exciting to finally be able to get back to Blacksburg. Um, and um, I'm just excited. Excited to see everybody. Excited to meet so many people. S- score predictions. We did we that. Already, we already no, did uh, that. On, on Friday. Check oh, out. Oh, the gift. That's right. We haven't done this in, in months. Oh, tweet us. Okay. Yeah. So Friday. We're going to put out a, a gift. We're putting out a tweet on Friday like we do every game. Uh, we're going to run this back for like the last two years. Wake up. Game day. Reply with a gift about how you're feeling and a score prediction. The winner will get a care package sent to their home. Yeah, some type of care package. Type. Whether it's like a gift, a gift card. It'll be tight. Sharkies or like you It'll know a t-shirt or whatever. It'll be cool. That's a lot of fun. And then we got to find someone to do score predictions with live from Lane Stadium or live from that's uh, true from the tailgate. That's true. I forgot about that as well. That's huge. That's correct. I mean, that's that's perfect for Instagram. That's right. It's so so if you fun. see us. Bump into us. Say hello. Give us a hug. I'm looking to hug. I am looking to hug as many people as possible on Friday. Not to be weird, but I haven't been able to hug a lot of people. So I'm excited to friendship and uh, fellowship, as Coach as Coach uh, Fuente likes to say. Mike, I know you're waiting for your shout out. <laughs> Give us a shout out so we can all go to bed. Shout out to you guys, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it as always. Shout out to the town of Blacksburg. Blacksburg is back this weekend, baby. We are We're back. So back. We're back. We are back. Looking forward to it, everybody. Tune in. We got some more podcasts coming this later this week with the locks of Saturday, and we have our Lazism podcast coming as well. We have some fun nicknames for you, so be ready for them. We will see you guys really soon. Tripping in the sand We smoke out windows Drink till we can't stand But I saw you Dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know it's what you're thinking